You're listening to Art Root Radio, and I'm your host and artist, Michelle Lockery. A huge part of so many communities is their nonprofits and their artist run centers and their galleries and their music centers. And so much of those, those groups and those organizations is on the back of champions. They're like art warriors and they work tirelessly and they create visionary things as my guest today has done. My guest today is an artist named Judith Jericho. Her work is extraordinary. It's this multi-layered, almost Renaissance modern take on um, stories. And um, I'm really excited to have her in the studio because I have never really met her, but I've known of her for so long in my community that it's pretty exciting to meet somebody through conversation because the sensory um, experience is very much allowing us to focus on the stories and the art. And it's kind of like, um, I guess, opening a chocolate box. So we're going to discuss, you know, the importance of the work that Judith has done on her art. But one example is of this gallery that she envisioned, Gallery Vertigo, and how much work it goes into it, and how important is it that we celebrate our nonprofits, the boards that are on those nonprofits, the people who give tirelessly. And my passion is to eventually get that volunteer, that that economy onto our city, you know, on those law Excel spreadsheets, so that we can really see that the power of the arts is also the power of the economy. And uh, we all know of that as artists and the amount of work that takes. But let's talk about how we possibly can get that onto those economic spreadsheets that quantify those experiences. But first, let's take a listen as I get to meet Judith Jericho. Welcome to Art Root Radio, Judith. How are you today? I'm just fine. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, I know. I just love it. I'm just honored for you to be on the podcast. Well, I'm glad to be here. I like to pretend that I'm on scaffolding somewhere and people are just walking down the street and it's like, hey, and start talking because I think that's what us artists do. Absolutely. It's all about communication, right? So tell me about Judith. Tell me about like, when did you discover that the art, arts was your soul? When did you discover that? Well, um, I was actually studying something else in school. It was uh, special education. I decided that that would be a good thing. And uh, one of the components was art for children. And and the instructor had us keep a sketchbook. And I started working the sketchbook. And, you know, I forgot, really, I think, for a long time that how important art was to me. And I realized it when I started drawing again. And, and uh, before long, I found myself up at the college registering for the fine arts program because I thought, yeah, you're in the wrong stream here. You've got to change. So, Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So as a child, was that something like, for me, art saved my, my life. It did. Totally. I, like one of my first memories is getting hold of some crayons and, and decorating the front of my house. <laughs> it was a, a, a wooden house in um, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. And, 
And I remember my brother came along and he was watching me drawing all over the house and he said, I think mom is really going to like that. He said, you should do more. So I, I did a huge drawing on the front of the house. And my mom came out and she wasn't all that pleased with me. <laughs> but I kind of I kind of knew that this was giving me a lot of pleasure. So It's the voice, I believe. I did the same thing in my bedroom and I don't know how pleased my mother was. <laughs> but do you think that's the first voice you get, right? Yeah, it is. It's an inner voice and it's you can't ignore it really if if you're meant to do it, you're just going to do it no matter what else happens or how how many discouragements you come upon. You're just going to find a way. Yeah, and I, I'm watching that with my grandchildren, right? And they're all different learners and I just said to my daughter the other day, I said, "Learning is important." Expression is important, but happiness is important. So if education takes your happiness away at seven, eight, and nine, you got to yeah. look at this, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So we're working with Gallery Vertigo on a project. One of our partners, we have many now around the province, which is just crazy, actually around the world. Tell me your vision. You're the visionary for Gallery Vertigo, and I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, for a while there, we, we started a group called the North Okanagan Artists Alternative, and it was because uh, there really was nowhere to show our work other than the mainstream. Yeah. And we decided, well, if we get together and form a, a nonprofit group, then, and we can start uh, discussing art, number one, and, and exhibiting it, number two. And we started having shows in empty storefronts around Vernon. And uh, once uh, we got the, the old gallery Vertigo space, and we had an exhibition called Blue there. And uh, I was sitting there one day... Um, watching over the show and I was sitting there with a, another artist and I started scribbling on a piece of paper and numbers and I figured out, oh, this is the rent for the space for a month and this is how many approximately studio spaces we could carve out here and how much would we have to charge in rent in order to cover for each studio in order to cover the rent and the utilities and and she looked at me and she said, what are you doing? And I, I said, well, I said, I just realized we could do this. We could just keep this space. Like, it's doable. And it just sort of, that was the germination of the seed, and it just grew from there. Well, you we, just... started, we started off just running it as the nonprofit group, but then we soon decided, well, this is a small it's more of a commercial venue right now, but really it should be a nonprofit artist run center. So which we, you made it happen. Took steps to make that happen. So when so you made it the charity as well. Yes. So I've had a charity and so your vision to have a charity was brilliant because as you know now, having getting charitable status is nearly impossible. Oh, I didn't realize that. Is it now? Oh, to get it now, the hoops and, and to get that charitable status, which is a, an amazing thing for Vernon to have, this alternate gallery that has charitable status, which 
you know, brings the partnerships and the, the corporate part because it's tax breaks. And there's, I mean, what you did allow to do that was amazing. Like Vernon really needs to understand that that small gallery, the importance of it. And, and you created that. Well, you know, we, our main purpose in becoming a charitable organization was so that we could accept donations because we really needed help. We were, you know, flying by the seat of our pants. Well, you were quite the visionary. So I think Vernon needs to, I, and I, I always think about that now. And I think about why you and I haven't met, but I have this one vision and I don't remember why there was a van going to a, an art event and there was a bunch of women and we all climbed in the van and we were all getting a ride. And I have this vision that I maybe had met you. Oh, but I can't remember because like my brain's gone, right? Oh, that's interesting. I know. And then well, what you, you just said about blue. So our project, Indigenous Blue on Art Root Blue, when you said blue and that was the first show, I'm like, oh, my gosh, because I believe that we're all Indigenous to this planet. And if we looked at it that we're all Indigenous to this planet, we could possibly move forward. Oh, yeah, that's a good vision. Yeah, it's a good vision, right? <laughs> yeah. So tell me about your work. Tell me, I mean, the the art piece you sent, I mean, they are so ethereal. I just, and I just love it. So tell me about your, your practice. Well, um, I've been really actively working since I retired from Gallery Vertigo. Before that, <laughs> before that, yes. I would take a month, a month off every year. And usually I'd go down to Gabriola and spend a month doing a house sit and just making art for a month. Yeah. And that, that was really my productive time of the year. Yeah. Because the rest of the time, you know, it, uh, my energy was pretty much uh, sucked up by all my other activity. Yeah. So uh, since that, I've, I've really been able to spend more time in my studio and, uh, it's gone it's gone through some major revolutions like through uh it keeps evolving back and forth really between figurative work and more abstract work and that used to bother me i used to think oh you should really concentrate on one thing i mean i can even remember telling uh younger artists well you, you know you, you'll know you've sort of hit your stride when the work takes on sort of a, a major direction and you'll find out what what that is for you what what matters to you but you know what mine just continues to flop back and forth between the two and I used to feel really guilty about that and because I've given people such terrible advice <laughs> I thought and but you know I had actually a curator say to me you know you, you shouldn't be embarrassed by the fact that you you're working on both sides. She said that it's something women do, right? We multitask. So yeah. yeah, there is more than one main stream to what's going on in, in your brain. So to me, it's like you have two lenses going on and I actually find it quite beautiful because it's that you get to see through those lenses. Ah, yeah. Right. Because I flop yeah. too. I'm a flopper. I just, I just can't get enough of different mediums and, and I, I've never found my stride. I think for me, you know, I, 
I, I tried to retire and to try to just do art and I can hear you because all those years doing mural projects, my brain was so much in administration and you and I know right now, I can feel it between us, to run nonprofit art organizations is the most soul-sucking thing you can do. Yeah, yeah, you really do give it everything you've got, right? I mean, it won't fly otherwise. I know, and it's a rare beast um, artist that can do that, and I'm so appreciative because I have lived it as well as you. And I think artists as well need to know all of these organizations, artist-run ones or not, if you're not funded by a bigger source, it's exhaustive. And if you paid for what Gallery Vertigo's value was, and that's where I'm trying to do this, and I'm so, so blessed to talk to you because we have that knowledge, but our knowledge needs to be shared while we're allowed to do the art. And that's why I'm trying to bring it all back together under the Sunflower Project is let us teach you what we have learned the hard way, but let us do our art while the young ones do the heavy lifting. Yes, that's true. You do need the people for the heavy lifting. I, I know when I was at the gallery that, you know, artists always have lots of tremendous ideas. Yep. And I get a lot of people coming in the door and saying, I've got this fantastic idea. Yep. And I'd say, okay, tell me about your idea. Yep. And I'd say, okay, are, you're going to help realize this, right? Yep. And they'd say, oh, no, I'm just an idea person. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, <laughs> that just won't do <laughs> Nothing happens if all you have is an idea. You have right? to have... It takes, it takes the heavy lifting. And you have to have both sides of the brain, and I hear from you, I can hear. I'm so excited to actually actually sit down in a room with you because the business side, where's the money going to come from? How is it distributed? What's the legalities? <laughs> like, right? What? The... Well, yeah, there's, there's that, right? I, I mean, I remember saying to myself, I'm going to go to art school and be an artist, and... Because I never want to suffer the fate of sitting behind a desk for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's what I said, too. And guess what happened? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. my God. I, oh. People said to me, oh, you were so lucky. You traveled the world painting murals. And I said, yeah, I, I'll remember the audit on a million-dollar grant from crime prevention. And it, we, of course, came through Shining Colors and the 72 reports and the yeah, it was awesome because I painted from 11 o'clock at night to 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. Right? And that side is why I... Well, I, you must have had tremendous stamina to be able to do that. Well, I was young. I don't have that stamina anymore. Yeah, no, me either. It's, I'm an afternoon napper now. Well, you know... <laughs> I, yeah. I give my mornings to the studio when I'm not babysitting grandchildren or yeah. running around. Well, you know, that's why I started this, because I, I retired from, I have the knowledge of the grants and business models and all those wonderful things. But my husband one day looked at me and he said, you've got five grandchildren and you have something to say through your art. He goes, if you don't bring a team together to share that, he goes, number one, you'll be dead because you'll be exhausted and die of yeah. us. And I made that promise to him. And that's how the Sunflower Project kind of came together, because it's like, if stone soup, if everybody does a little bit and we exchange knowledge, we can build the new support we need for the artists. Uh -huh. But it has to be a shared economy, not. And I think for me, Judith, in the history, it sounds so sim similar because 
I'm tired of writing grants that go to concepts that get delivered somewhere else. And those ideas just seem to fuel a non-artist economy. Yeah. And it's hard. How are women past our age to make a living with their arts? You know, how... And look what you left, Gallery Vertigo. That economy that's been left and people are trying to keep moving along, that... You imagine Vernon without it. Like, I can't. No. Um, like, unfortunately, you know, for years and years, the, the powers that be just weren't buying it, right? They just thought, no, you have an art gallery already. They couldn't distinguish between a public art gallery and an artist-run center, no matter how hard we tried to educate them. Well I wonder was... if, well I wonder if you were just a visionary and because that's me I had never like in my career I would try to go to art galleries and they would say well what you do is an art I'd say pardon me I'm ju- I'm free painting a giant mural uh, that's not art Yeah tiny little narrow vision Yeah and right? I, and inclusion in that world was really tough for me I, I just never felt included in that other art world yeah it was hard for me I, I and a lot of my students and I don't know if you've experienced this I would have sort of fringe artists come to me and they'd say where do I show and so we used to show at the bottom of the scaffolding uh, sorry where at the bottom of the scaffolding I'd have all the crew oh oh really That's yeah great. We, we would do pop-up art because Whoa. nobody would have them in their galleries yeah so what, yeah, that's hard. So can you imagine, Judith, if you had a there was a gallery vertigo in every community? Yeah, that would that would be helpful. Well, you know that's one of that's one of the best takeaways I have from my years running the gallery is young artists will still contact me and say, "Oh, I really appreciate that I I got that break. I got to show my work." And uh they often will write to me and ask me, "Could you write me a, a letter of recommendation? I want to, I want to try for this residency or this school, or and I'm always happy to do that. And I, all I ask is, let me know if you're successful. I want to hear about it. And like that's really rewarding. Still, I mean, it's still coming back to me. Could you those rewards? How many? Do you, how many young artists do you think you you touched? Oh, I, I, I couldn't even count. There's so many. And musicians, young musicians just cutting their teeth. And I'll run into them out in the community everywhere I go. Like they'll, Somebody will come up to me and they'll say, I had my first concert at your gallery. Uh, I, I, there's too many for me to remember every one of them now. But That's a beautiful tapestry. That's a tapestry. great feeling. It's a, it's a beautiful tapestry that you've done. And it, I think the bridge that what your vision was is what the world is looking for now. We're doing some work with the new Canadians and stuff, and that's the same thing with my projects. How did all those young people get a bridge to the business world of the arts? I think we share that story, and I'm going, that is an essential service that I don't think we know how to educate communities how valuable that is. And I I don't mean to put a value, but you know what I'm saying, right? You know, um, we used to have trouble explaining that to politicians. And 
one of the things they seem to get, somebody made the analogy of an artist-run center is like a farm team to the NHL, yeah. right? The NHL is the big time, the public gallery space. And they compared us to a farm team, and suddenly a lot of people seem to understand that analogy, right? Of course, in this town. Yeah. And uh, yes, but it is. And another analogy that I really like is that an artist-run center is like a tugboat, which is guiding the giant freighter. And the giant freighter is the public gallery system. And the tugboat is the artist-run center. We can maneuver and turn quickly and change with the times, right? Where the big boat can only make very slight changes over a long period of time. So that's another good analogy to understand why artist-run centers matter. So I love that. You know, I'm sitting here and I think that's where we're at now because we were just... You know, I was trying to, and I know our government does the best it can with the system they have. I'm just not going to, you know, I will. I wish them all well. But until you understand the arts economy and put that economy and content creation on the coffers, like I think COVID, as terrible as it was, is a blessing because now they want to build this renewal based on the artists and the economy and, and murals and all the stuff that you and I and many others were pioneers on. Well, and on the backs of immigrants, we built this country. How now moving forward that knowledge lies in us, those knowledge keepers? Yes. And yeah. That, right? We're, the root, we're really the root system. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm just full of analogies. I love it, though, but you're right, right? It's the roots of the sunflowers, which is why the sunflower is so key to mine, art and science together, is that, Uh you know, I got beat up from the time I was 20, standing in front of city council saying, give us some money, we'll build the arts. Well, here you guys come out with your hands out. I'm like, seriously? Coal mining town, right? And I, I I use the analogy... It's a, that we mine. I'm a miner's daughter. I see every community could mine its community of its assets, of its artists. And if you put that as an asset, respectfully go into the circular economy, more means more. And, and you can have that same mine in every community. Mm-hmm. That's another good one. Right? And, God, yeah. And so I think that's what I'm trying to do is bring the wise people who have been in the trenches for many, many years. And if we tell that story, then we can show that economy. And then my one thing is that that economic must be shared back to the artist. Because I'm seeing a movement of, you know, Uh groups getting money based on showing people's art or supporting, but it's not a fair, equitable distribution back. Yes. Well, and administrators in galleries need to see a return too. You yeah. can't you can't expect artists to just nope. do all that and give up having an income and the, like they have to be rewarded as well. Yeah. Not not just the art makers themselves, but the people who facilitate the exhibition of that art and the selling of that art. I mean, it's all part of the part of the same wheel. 
I agree. And that and like that's what I think working a few months with Gallery Vertigo and the lovely woman Bridget Red, she has so many business skills and that's what we're trying to teach. You know, I hear the exposure word and I'm going, no, no, we are educating because if you had to pay for the art cards and the delivery and the advertisements and all that, the art, it has to be an exchange. There is an exchange of value from all sides of the mining world of art. That's how I look at it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And if you can share that equity by doing, that can also be an economy, which is what you did with, you know, all of that. And it's hard because I see it. I always think it's like an abacus on the wall. So you can teach and say, okay, you shared this and you shared that, that value. But there's money to be shared at the end, like a co-op. Uh-huh. But, you know, that that's, I think we're there. But I mean, it's a lot of work and there isn't any money ever to just pay, <coughs> right? To pay for the accountant, pay for the lawyer. Like, where does all that come from, right? Yeah, exactly. So, what's yeah. your favorite color? My favorite color? Yeah. Oh, God, that's hard. <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, you know, I'm. Uh, I do love red. Oh. There's usually a pop of red somewhere in almost everything I do. So that's awesome. But little pops only, usually. Yeah, I'm scared uh, of red. I, I get overwhelmed by a lot of brilliant color. I I tend to work more subtle, more muted tones. So I'm scared of red. I try to bring red in my work. And when I, I, for some reason, I go, okay, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I love teal. I love that teal turquoise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because, and I know red goes with that, but it's like, um, you know, it's kind of like, yeah. Yes. It's a lovely compliment, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. And so here's, here's a funny question we always talk about on the podcast and so many artists, it's really funny. Um, so if you're in your studio uh-huh. and you're in the morning and it's a great day and you're creating what happens to you when somebody opens the door and disturbs you oh it totally shuts me right <laughs> off right yeah or or you know if people knock on the door i'm my studio's upstairs and i can peek out the window and i think do i need to answer this or not and it, usually it's not unless it's a really <laughs> good friend or family i just don't or I don't pick up the phone. Or what? What is that? We. It's really funny. We keep talking about it on because I mean, if somebody, my poor husband, he'll like he puts his hand in with a cup of tea and then he puts it down and he runs like hell. Oh. <laughs> what do you think that is? I don't know. It just brings you up to the surface, right? It's like it drags you out of the river. So yeah. I love that. That now you just so. Like, I'm seeing a book in you, you know, us as visionaries. I'm seeing, have you ever written a book about all this beautiful, these words you have? Oh, no, but funny you should say, because I'm writing a lot right now about about my process, because, I, you know, often artist statements, they were sort of an afterthought for me quite often. I just yeah. don't even think about words until I have to. Right, the gallery's waiting for a statement, and and then I stop and think about it. And I thought, well, that's sort of backwards, really, like because you know I've always been a bit of a 
a creative writer and I think, well, you should be writing as you go. And so I'm actually doing this project right now. It's uh, um, online and it's called a 30 day something sketchbook, creative sketchbook or something like that. And every day I do a piece in my sketchbook and every day I write about it and not, uh, not careful writing, but just sort of stream of consciousness writing and I'm finding it's really illuminating it's really helping me examine my process more closely it's just beautiful I'm sitting I'm doing some projects as well because I artist statements have never been my forte either (laughs) and and I'm looking and I'm and under the sunflower project like people are seeing what's the sunflower project with this it's just a coming together one of the projects that are part of that is that I have this, I'm from a little town called Michelle, B.C. And oh. <laughs> yeah, and it's Sparwood now, but it was Michelle, B.C. I was named after the town. It was a bunch of amazing women that were artists, creators. They had to be, right? Uh-huh. And the book of Michelle is something I'm doing, and we have a ton of different artists that are coming together, and we want to do a collection of writings because... We have a website coming. We're going to do a show at the Fernie Museum. Um, one of my actual um, was a teacher. She's a textile artist. I have my mom, another friend of mine who worked in an art gallery, heritage little spot, same as Gallery Vertigo in Sparwood. We're all coming and we're inviting other women to come together underneath this movement, the Book of Michelle. Not in my ego anyway, other than that, that's the name of the town. And why oh, that's, that's very cool. Well, and why that's important is is they that's where the immigrant women came in the town that had five coal mines, and those women were distributed out because those coal mines were the economy of British Columbia. Uh-huh. So, like now, taking back, so we're, we have the idea of having clotheslines in different communities where the beautiful <laughs> linens and paint on the linens and pay tribute to those women that came to this province, including our indigenous um, women, partners and friends who supported the immigrant women as we were all trying to feed our children. Uh-huh. Isn't it a beautiful thing? And everybody's right. I know, Judith, it's so, my mom, like during COVID, like her and I got, to, this podcast is in honor of my mom because I couldn't be close enough to my mom. She got sick. So we started to talk stories every day. Uh-huh. And so I said, Mom, write those letters. Mom, put them in the aprons. Mom, put them in the tapestries. And that's, there will be a series just, and we totally invite you, Judith, we'd be honored to tell those memories in a beautiful art way as we teach the young women that you're going to have to build these communities again because there's no money for the system to do it for you. Uh-huh. And that's the story, I think, of Judith is that you did that. Well, thank you. I uh, you did that. I, I must say, I had a lot. A lot of people were involved. I can't take all the credit. There's a lot of people that made that happen. One person can't make that happen, no. as you know. No, they can't. And I think it's hard sometimes. I think that people think that we're very strong. Like people will say, "Oh, you know, Michelle, she," but you have to be. And I think that. We are blue horses that we have been led from our ancestors to be those strong women. I see you as this beautiful blue horse. Ah, 
that can really bite you in the ass. Have you discovered this? Oh, <laughs> when, yes. when you're one of the strong women, you know, there are some, Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of fighting back about it, but yeah, you know, you just have to be firm sometimes to make things move forward. Biting has been something I have probably missing limbs from the biting. But it, yeah. it, it, and for me, I look at it as I think it moves through us. I think, and it, I, I have spent time where I have actually had to say, why am I doing it? Yeah. I could be vulnerable. And I have heard people say not kind things about me. And you know what, Judith, what I think about it is I know me and I know you know you. And I know I did not do it for ego. There was ego, of course, in there. There, like, I mean, the pride and all of that. But in my soul, the people that reach out back to me, you know, one day. But if we don't write the book about that, and I, I, I'm not trying to be, I always say I'm Joan of Art. And I am honored for the journey that I've had. And I'm honored to meet women like you through this. I don't shy away from the fact that it was hard. Why? Nothing. What's that? What's that saying? Life's work well done is hard. It is, but the reward is great, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I look at it. My grandchildren are strong, and their path will not be easy. They're leaders, and already I see that in them. We were made for this. You were made for this. Yeah. And your work is showing, and I think I would just. And then my head goes right now. I'm going, there's a grant for that. There's an opportunity, Judith. We could raise money. We could do a fundraiser. We need the book of Judith. Oh. <laughs> right? With your with your amazing art. Uh, and, right? Well, you know, I, I'm quite I'm quite happy about my namesake, who is uh, Judith, uh, who cut off the giant's head and, you know, Hall of Fire's head, like yeah. this famous painting. Yeah. Where she serves his head up on a platter, and I think that's the kind of strength that is associated with the name Judith, and I'm I'm quite happy about that. I love that, and you know, I've been known for having a sword and going after government because I believe that more money should be distributed, and that was so tiring. I don't want to fight anybody anymore. I want my sword. I want my sword to be a sunflower, and I want to invite the other wise women. And men to come to the table and potentially under gallery vertigo, which is what you started, and say, how do we tell our story of how the arts have impacted this country? Sounds like a good plan, oh, eh? Sorry, I had trouble hearing you there. Uh, imagine now if we come back and we bring everybody as sunflower swords. We're not fighting anybody. We're just telling our stories. And people can learn from yes. our stories or not. But until we now come back together in the return, which is the blue and my blue, I think that Gallery Vertigo could be that learning center where you tell your story, I tell my story, and we invite other Sunflower Warriors to tell their story. Uh-huh. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, that sounds like a series in the making. Doesn't it? It does. You know what it sounds like to me? Somebody should come in and do a footage film on us. It should be a Netflix series. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. Fernie's, yeah, cool. Fernie's, well, why not? Think big. Why not? Why not? And I think if we all come together, I think that that knowledge is really necessary. Yeah, you could be right. 
I could be, but it's I could. Easily, it's easily lost. I mean, I've had instances where to telling someone something about gallery vertigo, and they had no idea, right, that, that this happened. And that's only a, only a decade ago. That's how quickly things get forgotten, right? It's like, oh, no, this is, was a good idea. It worked. It can still work. Well, I was shocked, you know, if it wasn't for a mutual friend that said I was like, and I got so excited because that's what happens to me. People go, let's take the murals down. And I'm like, wait a minute. Do you know the kids that helped, the, the women from the streets that helped, the $6 million it raised to rebuild the community? I think that if we don't tell the stories, the very um, action of the art that did so much social good doesn't get told we just it's kind of like it just it feels like a bad pattern yeah that's where i think yeah that, yeah, it is. It, yeah yeah so you know do you have a, a a memory of when gallery vertigo was first opened and you stood by the window and you realized this happened like you made it happen do you have a memory of that uh, i remember um I remember more the realization that it was possible rather than, yeah, this happened. I think every opening, though, when I would stand back, I'd give my little spiel, and then I'd, I'd stand back and I'd look at all the people looking at the art or listening to the music, and it would cross my mind, like, this is real. We, we made this happen, right? Like, you moved that mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful thing, and I, it's that's where I think um, Gallery Vertigo is right now because they definitely struggle. Bridget reached out to me. She goes, Michelle, I need to make this go. She says it's in my soul. I know Gallery Vertigo has to stay here. She goes, I hear you have a model that can help. Can you bring people together? And that's what's happening, right? That's good. And that's that's why the, the beautiful thing was from AJ Jagger saying you need to talk to Judith because Judith, and I understand you had a tribe of people, but you were brave enough, Judith. And I understand that bravery because it's hard. And, um, you know, no, I wasn't really brave at all. Like, no? I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had to walk through I, it. Uh, I mean, somebody asked me, like, aren't you scared like to try to start a gallery? Like that's pretty scary stuff. And I said, yeah, I'm terrified. But uh, and and they said, "How do you know how to start a gallery?" And I said, "I don't. Oh, wow. I don't know. There's so many skills I don't have. I mean, I I've been working at the Vernon Art Gallery, and I had some of the basics, you know, graphic skills, things that you need in the background. Yeah. But there was a lot of stuff I didn't know. But I sat down and I made a list. And I realized every single thing that I don't know, I know someone who knows to do this. So I made a list of all these people and I called them all and I said, I need help with this. Can you help me? And they, they, no one ever said no to me. Like they all could see the value in helping. So, you know, more power. It reassures me all the time that there's more good people out there. That's exactly than, than bad, right? Like there's so many people who care 
there is people and they're just afraid to connect. Same as my mural project. People go, well, how did you do that? Weren't you afraid? Um, yeah, I have. I was a single Well, not, Oh, I got married, but I had a, a baby out of not married. I was living in a small town. Um, they had brought the guy from Shemanus, the artist from Shemanus in to do murals. I went, oh, that's cool. I could do that. Tie that to kids and tie it to nonprofit and tell my family's heritage. And the first wall was 100 feet wide, and my mom and a group of kids were on there, and they were like, weren't you afraid? I said, yeah, terrified. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. That's what brave is, really, is doing it even when you're terrified, right? So Yeah. And the same thing. People go, well, how did you make it happen? I asked for help. Like, yeah. And I, I think what it is, it's I don't believe anybody at any level of life is higher or lower than anybody else. If you're a street person, a government person, I don't care if it was the queen, I'd tell her to pick up a paintbrush and clean it. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I think yeah. that's that's what you did with the gallery. That's what I did with the murals. That's what, you know, like think about the Catani Center. Like, you know, all of those places have just been based on us building barns and, and making quilts. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. You know, I remember that brings up a story in my mind. I had a, a summer student. And, of course, most summer students would come in. They had a really romantic idea of what it was to work in a gallery, you know? <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I'd always, at some point, ask somebody to clean a bathroom. And uh, I had a student say to me, I don't do bathrooms. I didn't take this job to clean bathrooms. <laughs> And I said, uh, I'm the executive director. And I said, and I clean bathrooms. I said, therefore, everyone has to have a turn cleaning the bathroom. <laughs> you know why I'm oh, laughing? Dear. I'm laughing because I just had that conversation not only with my son, who owns three restaurants in the Okanagan, and that life has been tough on them. And he had somebody, and he was like, hey, no, this person isn't going to clean. He goes, I own three of these restaurants. I work my butt off. I hire 75 people. And he goes, and they don't want to clean the bathrooms. I'm still cleaning the bathrooms. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And you know, yeah. that's what it is. That's what I believe our talent is. It's, I still clean the brushes. We're doing an art show. Bridget and I just said, well, we got to make sure the bathrooms are clean. Who's going to do it? Me and you. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, Judith you are just a treasure like honestly I can't wait till we physically have tea I, can't I just, know right I, I, know. I, I, I find it amazing that we have not met in person at least I don't think we have well, I don't remember the jumping in the van incident <laughs> I have got to figure out who it was because it was going to a I believe a show at the at the hotel there oh who else would have been involved? Or maybe I had come in to go. And I mean, I was so busy working like those mural projects. I mean, I had no life. All I did was live on those walls for all well, the years. That is probably why we never met because we, neither of us had any time outside of what we were doing. So no, I never got off those walls for all. I mean, I've, I was actively painting since 1999. I stopped actually doing projects, probably like the big projects in 2013 and I think uh -huh. I worked I worked and I'm not saying this in any way for anybody to say for you no it is probably addiction 
I worked solidly 16 hour days all the time. Yeah. It was awful. I was really stupid. I mean, I look back now. Yeah. I, I really, and it, what actually changed it for me was I was painting this Feva Catani mural and my father passed away. My dad was sick and I had gone home because he was struggling with cancer and I came back to finish that wall and I missed my father's death. Uh, and to me, I realized that wall is really important to me. My son and my daughter and my daughter-in-law helped me finish it. And I never did that again. I realized that you can get off balance in your vision. You can. Mm-hmm. My family drew it to my attention. I said, like, mm-hmm. uh, you can't keep doing this, Mom. No. This isn't good for you. No. And I, I kept on kind of pushing through. And then uh, both my parents passed away in fairly short order. And I I left the gallery and spent time at Hospice House. And really, my brain wasn't working anymore anyway. And, mm-hmm. you know, my brain wasn't unable to split into those two channels. So was, yeah. I remember coming, leaving Hospice House and coming to the gallery to show one, someone how to use a program. And it was a program I used for 20 years, and I, I couldn't remember how to use it. And I thought, oh, I'm, I'm just going back to hospice house. I'm useless here, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But, yeah, that sort of brought everything to a close for me. Yeah. And I suddenly realized, yeah, I'm having trouble uh, getting frustrated not being able to work on my own Mm-hmm. practice and yeah. I can't keep this up forever and life is finite so yeah I came, I came to the decision with the support of my family like mom you need to you need to take care of you now so that's what I did and that's where I'm at too and, and the only reason this project stays with me is that I know now like my daughter got sick there's been COVID has been so Terrible in some ways and good because I see the world has slowed down and I now see that what my reason for here is just to now bring people together and if we can do it with little pieces just by us doing our art practice, we can exchange that knowledge on something like this podcast where we don't have to go down that moving the mountain, but we can share that knowledge in a smart way now. Not that we weren't smart, Judith. I think it's just time for us just to tell our story. Yeah. Well, you know, I wish you so, so much luck with this project. I think it's a really worthy project. I think it is too. And I think it's that finding, and I do believe it lives at Gallery Vertigo because I believe we can create a benevolent fund. And that benevolent fund, people can come for their projects to the fund, just like the movie industry does. And we can support, my husband's grandfather built the Czech Benevolent Fund. And it went right across Canada that every community had one to support the people when they were starving. Uh-huh. We can be our own economy and we can, and that's what we need. That's how it started. That's how community, we just got to yeah. do good. Like somebody asked me last night, they didn't understand. They go, what's this sunflower project about? You're just going to cover the world with sunflowers? I'm like, well, that's not a bad idea. Uh-huh. But it's what is your sunflower? Like for me and you, it's art. It might be for somebody else to build, you know, like my parents in the coal mining town, there was parades and picnics and ball fields. Build something for your community good. Just do one thing good for no reason but other than good. Uh 
That's what I believe this project is. And if that's the arts, we can do the arts. But I mean, you know, you know, and I know we did it for the good of the community because we saw a need. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I think you built a a beautiful sunflower named Gallery Vertigo. When you think about the sunflower, which is art and science and the golden ratio and the eye of the universe and a beautiful renewal. Don't you think the name Gallery Vertigo kind of fits that? <laughs> it does. Do you want to do you want to know why it's Gallery Vertigo? Yes, please. It's uh, we got our initial group of artists together. I think there was twelve of us, and we, we sat here in my living room and drank tea and brainstormed for an idea. And I had just been I had just gotten out of bed after three months of suffering. From vertigo, uh, I I couldn't even walk. I was totally out with vertigo, and and it suddenly popped into my head, and I said, "What about vertigo?" <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and everybody loved it because we were on the second story at that time. Yeah, and it was kind of dizzying looking down <laughs> out of the windows, and uh, so that's how the name was born. That's amazing. Well, you know, it's not weird because. The Sunflower Project came because of me finding out of my family being, you know, Ukrainian internees in Canada. I started. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I I found out in the gal in the museum <laughs> that I found a letter from my grandfather, who's not from here. Then long journey is that I found out my family were in an internment camp in Vernon, which wow. Yeah, so it helped my mother because it happened when my dad died. We found out. And the sunflower became, I went, oh, my God, all of these immigrants have their heads down in shame. The sunflower is the symbol of growth that they should put their heads up of pride. Ah, oh, so, yeah, very nice. Yeah, so it represents immigrant people. It, it represents the food. It represents the sunflower is a beautiful science and art thing that also leaves food behind. Well, it's a beautiful symbol. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it happened, and it just has just kept growing. And I vision one day in honor of all the people that have been our indigenous people, our Ukrainian, our Italian, everybody, our Japanese, everybody who built this country on loss of freedom. If every community had one metal sunflower, see, I get emotional with its face up to the sun, people would travel from the world to see those sunflowers. We'd have a beautiful tour right across Canada and pay tribute and say, let's forgive and move forward. Yes. And I know that might sound really visceral and idealistic, but Judith, you made Gallery Vertigo, and I made a project around the world that helped you through painting walls. (laughs) Yeah. Now, you know. (laughs) Painting walls, ripping floors, all that. (laughs) Right. I I learned how to build a wall and chip rocket right <laughs> <laughs> you, you knew how to take Peter, oh, right <laughs> my I'll, I'll leave you because we're definitely we could just do this again but i leave it with people go how did you make it happen and i go the community of vernon was so wonderful i went on the radio and said we need paint we're trying to do this project we have no money oh i remember that i remember that i heard that okay so i got to work the next day judith and the parking lot in front of the fire chief mural, all you could see 
was paint. We collected 365 cans of paint that day. Holy. Well, isn't that just, it goes to prove all you have to do is ask. People want to help. Well, and in my head, isn't that a sunflower? So I see one sunflower, all those seeds, shake those seeds, and let everybody run with their project of just do something light. And I, that's what that's I... That's funny. I, right? It's funny, but they're all just waiting to help. Everybody wants the feeling of having done something good. Yeah. So I remember somebody asking me at the gallery once, and they said, oh, I, I was telling them about so-and-so's going to do this, so-and-so's doing this. And somebody said to me, well, what are you doing? <laughs> And I said, this is what I do. <laughs> I get other people to do everything. <laughs> That's working doing that. Like, you know what we are, right? They're, it's called art procurement. My husband's a, a mind manager, right? And it's called procurement. Or just, it's just, yeah, you do that. It's connection and procurement, right? Yes, totally, right? <laughs> and there's no work in that. Like those lists and those, those hours of building that. Yeah, there's no work in that. <laughs> I'm just going to see, like, this is awesome. So I'm going to um, don't hang up because definitely I'll just, I'll just say goodbye and thank you so much. Um, and I'll take us off the recording, but thank you, Judith. I will direct all our listeners to your site and your work and your images. And I think should, I need to really have tea and talk about what your book is going to look like. Cause I think you are writing this book. <laughs> It's just beautiful. Or maybe the book is your art. And maybe that's the thing. I don't know. But thank you so much. And it has been an absolute honor. Oh, it's it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for letting me tell you some of my stories. Imagine if all of us had been together back then. What we, holy, that, that would have been scary. We would have just created a, a whole new world. I know. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Thank you, Judith. Take care. I will talk really well, soon. Thank, thank you very much, Michelle. It's the art and the history connecting all communities. The water flows through indigenous blue. The tides rise and fall, connecting us all. Water is life. Hear our call. The water flows through indigenous blue.